Father, grant that my words might be your word in the heart of your people, that we might all be moved to follow Jesus Christ all the days of our lives. For we ask it in his precious name. Amen. I don't remember the last time I read Shakespeare or saw a Shakespearean play. But one of the most memorable lines from Shakespeare comes from the lips of Hamlet. To be or not to be, that is the question. I find that line useful for my purposes this morning simply because as a play on Hamlet's words, I'm going to title this sermon, To See or Not to See. The question is, have you seen the Lord? Paul wrote to the church in Corinth regarding the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Jesus appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, then to more than five hundred, then to James, then to all the apostles, then also to Paul. The resurrection which we celebrate every Sunday is one of the best attested facts of history. Hundreds of men and women were first-hand witnesses to the risen Lord Jesus Christ. That resurrection and the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus is the context, the setting, in which we find today's gospel reading. There are bookends in John's Gospel that will help us understand the importance of these, these eyewitness accounts of the resurrection. The first bookend comes from the lips of Jesus in his high priestly prayer, recorded in chapter 17 of John's Gospel. There Jesus, praying to the Father, says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through, the, through their word. Jesus is praying for the sanctification of his disciples but not for their sanctification alone, but also for those who will believe in Jesus through their word, those who will come to faith through the testimony of the disciples, those who perhaps may, may never see the Lord Jesus personally, but who will believe because of the witness of those who have seen the risen Lord. It seems right from the outset that Jesus is saying that one need not be an eyewitness to the resurrection in order to be sanctified, to be set apart for Christian life and ministry, to be saved. Faith does not necessarily require seeing, but as Paul wrote to the Roman church, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But to believe, to have faith, is more than mere mental assent to some fact in history. To believe, to have faith, in both Greek and Hebrew, implies obedience, action in response to the facts of history. As Bishop David Bryan said last Sunday, if you truly believe that Jesus has risen from the dead, that changes everything and demands a response, 
a change of life to those who believe. The second bookend comes at the end of today's gospel reading. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Several years ago I preached on this same text. In doing so I went through John's gospel as if we were watching a stage play in which each of the miracles of Jesus was acted out before us. John tells us in this second bookend that he has not attempted to give a complete record, a full account of the signs and miracles of Jesus, but enough that we might believe, that by believing we may have life in his name. Again, one need not be an eyewitness to the resurrection or to the miracles of Jesus. One need not see Jesus personally with one's own eyes, but one must accept and believe the faithful witness of others. John says that he has given us enough evidence that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we might have life, that is, eternal life, in his name. Some of you may have had a Damascus Road experience like St. Paul. You may have seen a blinding light at noon, or you may have had a night vision of Jesus. You may have seen the risen Lord. I would love to hear your story. Let's have lunch. Most of you, however, who believe, I suspect, came to faith through the witness of some other Christian or through reading Scripture. You believe because of what someone told you through the words of another. Or you read what Paul or John or Peter wrote or you were convinced and convicted by reading the law or the prophets. Or perhaps God touched your heart through a psalm or redemptive history. The faithful witness of another brought you to faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. Have you ever been to a parade and seen a small child sitting or standing on the shoulders of his or her father so that they could see over the crowd? In just the same way, most of us stand on the shoulders of another who believed and bore witness to the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we simply need to stand on the shoulders of someone else to see what is going on. If you've been at King of Kings very long, you've probably heard me at least part of my story. You've heard me tell how Carolyn and I were brought to our knees by the report of our son Frederick's brain damage. You may have heard how we went looking for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and found him and the fullness of the Holy Spirit through the witness of the church. But perhaps you have never heard the name Marvin Arnov. Marvin's story is sweet testimony to the grace of God, to the love of God in Christ Jesus. Marvin ran a small convenience store somewhere in North Florida. One day a man from Connecticut on his way to Orlando or some other tourist attraction in Florida stopped in Marvin's store. They struck up a conversation. The man told Marvin about his vacation plans and he shared with him his faith in Jesus. Marvin thanked the man but explained that he was Jewish and not really interested in Jesus. 
The next day, the man came back into Marvin's store. Marvin was a bit surprised to see him and asked whether he had had car trouble or what the problem was, why he was back. The man explained that he had decided to spend his vacation getting to know Marvin and introducing Marvin to Jesus. Each day that week, the man spent time in Marvin's little store. At the end of the week, the man prayed for Marvin, gave him a Bible, and said goodbye. Weeks passed, and in that time, Marvin became convicted and prayed that Jesus would come into his heart. Jesus did just that. Marvin called information in the Connecticut town where this man said he had come from and asked for his phone number. He asked for Mr. So-and-so, the operator. Do you remember operators? The operator said, we have a reverend so-and-so. Is that who you want? Marvin was surprised. The man had not told him that he was clergy. Together over the phone, the man from Connecticut and Marvin rejoiced in Marvin's newfound faith. Marvin eventually sold his little store and began traveling, telling everyone who would listen how he had met Jesus Christ. One such opportunity brought Marvin to St. Jude's Episcopal Church in Columbia, South Carolina on a Saturday afternoon. Marvin told his story and invited those present to come to the altar and meet Jesus. I was one of several who stood on Marvin's shoulders that afternoon and met Jesus Christ. It was September the 23rd, 1972. I was 30 years old. I had grown up in the church. I suppose there was never a time when I didn't assent to the fact that Jesus was God, the Son of God, the Father. My parents were saints. My father a lay preacher. But for the first time in response to Marvin Arno's simple witness, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I was born again that day. If you want to know more about the new birth, read John chapter 3. I stood on Marvin Arno's shoulders, who stood on the shoulders of a man from Connecticut, who stood on someone else's shoulders, who stood on another's shoulders, etc., etc., throughout 20 centuries. But someone stood on the shoulders of an eyewitness to the resurrection. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 19 and following. Verses 19 and 20 read, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. The disciples were huddled together behind locked doors in an upper room, trembling in fear because of the brutal murder of their rabbi. His life and ministry had not ended well. What, has be, what was to become of them? Would they be rounded up and summarily punished for following Jesus the Nazarene? They were very much afraid, and for good reason. The Jewish leaders were out to crush this sect that had given them so much grief. 
Suddenly the risen Lord Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, evidence that he was the same man that, had, that they had watched dying on a Roman cross, the same man who had died and was buried. The text tells us that the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They saw the Lord. With their very own eyes, they saw Jesus. They were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This changes everything. They had seen the Lord risen from the dead, risen in victory over sin and death. This fearful band would be transformed. They would become bold witnesses, and many others would come to faith because of their testimony. Verses 21 to 23 read, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. I'm going to treat this portion of the text almost as an aside because it doesn't deal directly with seeing the Lord Jesus. Nonetheless, it is a very important part of the text. Some scholars think it is John's version of Pentecost. I favor those who say it is rather a promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. What he was saying was that his life and ministry was at one empowered by and anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he is sending his disciples out under that same power and anointing. Just as he was sent, so they were sent. So we are sent, empowered, guided, and governed by the Holy Spirit. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone... It is withheld. Did they receive the Holy Spirit at this time, or was it just a promise? Again, scholars differ. What is clear is that they would be anointed with the Holy Spirit and given the authority to declare forgiveness of sins. To be clear, as we just sang, forgiveness has been bought and paid for in full by Jesus' finished work on the cross. Redemption for sin and faith in Jesus' shed blood brings forgiveness. In John's first epistle, he writes, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said to those who were cut to the heart, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. To the church, to the disciples, to those who believe because of their testimony, Jesus has given authority based on the word of God to declare forgiveness to all who truly confess and repent from their sins. Verse 24 and 25 read, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. 
This is both as simple and as profound as it gets. We have seen the Lord. With their own eyes, they saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ, and they bore witness to what they had seen. In a court of law, a witness is to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You cannot give witness to what you have not seen. They saw Jesus. If there were a lineup and Jesus was one of those in the parade, the disciples would pick him out saying, that's the one we saw. You would think that after three years of ministry together, three years of following Jesus together, their testimony would be sufficient proof for Thomas. But he wanted to see Jesus for himself. I don't know how many testimonies I've heard that went something like that of Thomas. The person was in an extreme situation, and he or she cried out to God, If you are real, show me. Times without number. Some saint who was serious about doing business with God was shown God's presence in some way. Thomas is right there. He has invested three years of his life following Jesus, seeing his miracles, listening to his teaching, believing that Jesus was the Christ, the one who was to come and usher in the kingdom of God. Then Thomas watched as Jesus hung on the cross, his body bloodied and bruised, beaten beyond recognition. He watched Jesus last, take his last gasp of breath, and he heard Jesus cry, it is finished. He watched as they took Jesus down from the cross, wrapped his lifeless body in a shroud, and buried it in a tomb. He saw the rock that sealed the tomb and the guard of Roman soldiers posted by the rock. He saw it all. His hopes and dreams were dashed. Now his broken heart cries out, I want to see Jesus for myself. Continuing in the middle of verse 25, but Thomas said to them, unless I see his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Unless I see, Thomas said, unless I see, seeing is believing. Thomas had seen Jesus stretch out his arms on the cross. He had seen the nails driven into the hard wood of the cross through the hands of Jesus. He had seen the blood and water flow from Jesus' side, pierced by the head of the spear. These marks would be indelible, permanent scars, visible evidence of Jesus' sacrifice. As Jesus stands at the Father's right hand, he bears those marks still, proof that he laid down his life on the hard wood of the cross, once for all, for the sin of the whole world. Thomas wanted to see. He wanted to touch. Verse 26 and 27 read, Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve but believe. The eight days are inclusive. It has been a week. 
It is the Sunday after the resurrection, the Sunday after that first Sunday, Easter. The Sabbath was Saturday, a day of rest. Today is the eighth day, the Lord's day, the day of the new creation. Notice that the doors are still locked. There are six more weeks until Pentecost, six more weeks of hiding in fear. Then the church will burst forth in the power of the resurrection under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Jesus appeared for the second time, and he had a message just for Thomas. Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. See see my hands, Jesus says. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus came and showed himself to Thomas. He invited Thomas to look, to touch, to believe. The other disciples had said to Thomas, We have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. But Thomas saw more. Verse 28 reads, Thomas answered Jesus, My Lord and my God. He cried out, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Then in verse 29, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus does not correct Thomas for calling him Lord and God. He acknowledged that Thomas is right. Jesus is both Lord and God. Have you believed because you have seen me? Jesus asked. Did it take seeing him, me, up close and personal for you to believe? It is a gentle rebuke to Thomas. And yet Jesus was willing to show himself to Thomas, to come to him, to be seen by him, even to be touched by him. We're not told that Thomas actually touched the Lord Jesus. Seeing was enough for Thomas. What about you? Will you demand to see him, or will you be one of those who are blessed without seeing? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. To see or not to see, that is the question. Are you willing to accept the faithful witness of those who have seen? Will you accept the testimony of the gospel writers? Will you believe because of more than 2,000 years of history and tradition, because of the testimony of the saints who through the ages have stood on the shoulders of those who have seen? The life and ministry of Jesus Christ, his sacrificial death on the cross, his mighty resurrection are the best attested facts in human history. Will you be among those who are blessed without seeing, who will be saved by hearing the word of God, or will you require sight? Beloved, whatever it takes, I pray that you come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. I urge you to stand on my shoulders in order to know Jesus as Lord and God. But if you demand more, I pray that Jesus meets you on the road to Damascus or whatever road you're on. 
that he appear to you in a vision in the night, that he show you his hands and his side, that you come to know Jesus as Lord and God. Do not let another hour pass without knowing Jesus Christ. Come to him. Cry out to him. He wants to show you his hands and his side. The indelible proof of his love for you. Do not disbelieve, but believe. No further comment is needed than this verse, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Pray with me.